0: Hi, I'm Wendy, and this is Divorce Doesn't Suck. I'm talking all about the life you can live after divorce. You'll hear regular people's stories about their divorces and how they reinvented themselves and grew. You'll also get invaluable advice from experts who serve in the divorce community. A little about me. I'm a former TV producer and mom of two. I got divorced in 2008 when there were really no outlets or platforms for me to turn to, So I'm paying it forward and have created a platform to help men and women learn that there is absolutely is a fresh, new, and exciting life after divorce. Come with me on this journey and paint your brand new blank canvas of happily ever after divorce. This episode is brought to you in part by the Needle Cuda Law Firm, guidance that moves lives forward. Needle Cuda divorce and family law attorneys have helped Connecticut families through this process for over 30 years. They understand divorce is so much more than the legal dissolution of a marriage. Divorce is about finding and accepting a new path forward, defining your new family, and securing an enforceable agreement that secures your future. Their experienced attorneys and paralegals are first and foremost committed husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, daughters and sons, who are all devoted to protecting Connecticut families. Put the strength, wisdom, and experience of Needle CUDA behind you and move forward with confidence. Visit them at NeedleCuda.com. Welcome to another episode of Divorce Doesn't Suck. I'm Wendy Sloan. I'm so excited for my guest today. She's joining me to share her journey of divorce and into the dating world. And we don't talk about dating and that world enough here, and we're going to start. Um, I happened to stumble across her post on Divorced Over 40, and I slid into her DM, literally. And um, just because she had so much energy in her post, and I loved what she said, and I loved... um, I just, just, her post just stood out to me, so I asked her to be a guest, so welcome Divorce Mom to Three, um, veteran ER nurse, welcome Nikki Larson. Hello, I'm so happy to be here, Wendy. I'm so happy to be here, too. Were you shocked a little bit when I slid into your DM and said, would you be a guest? Yes, I have been a podcast listener for years. In fact,
1: uh, during my divorce, I think it's what kind of saved me, to be honest, and I was just... Uh, Two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to talk about my divorce, but I'm in a much different space now, and it's not so raw, and I was just really excited to share part of my journey with your audience.
0: Well, thank you. One of the reasons I started this podcast, and I've been divorced a really long time, since 08, there was no podcast, no outlets for me to go to. There was barely anyone in my town um, getting divorced. I actually um, texted someone. I said, you don't know me, but I think we have something in common. And that was like my first friend that had went through it. So I could share that because even though I had an army of friends, unless you walk through it, you really don't understand. So that's why this podcast is so important to me um, in so many ways, helping people, because you're right. Like, thank God, you know, you don't feel alone and you get so much valuable information. So tell us a little bit of background about yourself, Nikki.
1: I grew up in Oklahoma, I'm an Oklahoma native, grew up in a really small town with a loving nuclear family. My parents are still married. So I had great representation of what long-term love and commitment looked like. And I really, really wanted that. At 19 years old, I didn't tell anyone in my family, went and joined the military and said, I gotta get out of Oklahoma and see the world. Um, I rolled the dice and I ended up in Montana, Florida, all over the place, ended up married, um, pregnant, Did not expect that so early on. Had two children with my first husband. Uh, We had a very amicable divorce. We still co-parent. We're good friends, much better friends than we were married. And um, my second marriage was from a blind date. I was married two months later. It was love at first sight. And I was happily married for about seven of the 10 years that I was married. And that is my most recent divorce. I never understood what women said when they said that they were traumatized from their divorce because my first divorce was so friendly as odd as that sounds, it was a very friendly divorce. Um, we both knew we probably were not going to stay married, but we got married because we were in the military and that's kind of what was expected. My second divorce was the bone-crushing, soul-crushing divorce that i had only heard about, but I could never empathize with. So it gave me a very different perspective on a happy diver- divorce, which that sounds crazy to say, versus you know a really sad divorce that I did not want.
0: Yeah, that's a perspective for a lot of people. Some people, you you know, it's if you can do it amicably and you can have a happy, happy divorce. Um, it's so rare. So you had both. Yes, I've had both. I've been on both sides
1: of the coin and uh, very different ways. And I learned so much from both. So I'm actually happy to now say that I've been divorced twice for quite a while. I had so much shame around that because my second marriage, I wanted it to work so bad. I told him this truly is till death do us part. And I love the man with everything I had inside of me. And, um, you know,
0: it is what it is at this point. So how did you get through that? And when did you finally decide after you tried so hard when did you decide, like, what was the moment that you decided, I, I can't anymore? The moment that I decided,
1: I had my suspicions that infidelity was happening um, with someone who was very near and dear to me. She was a friend. Um, she worked for us in our business. And when my husband's ex-wife, who I was very close with, we co-parented our stepdaughter together very well. In fact, she was my hairdresser for years. Mm. She called me and told me, Nikki, I... I've got to tell you something, I would never hurt you. I think you're a great mom to my daughter, but I cannot sit by and have my daughter be involved in this situation any longer. And the moment I got that phone call That was the nail in the coffin for me. You know, this is hard proof of what's going on. Your kids have been involved. They've been asked to lie. And I just thought, you know, uh, cheat on me is one thing. Hurt me is one thing. But bring my children into it and harm my children. It's just not something I can look past And as a mother. Unfortunately, I believe that sometimes we put all of our own needs aside in a divorce and we stay, we stick around. But the minute someone hurts our children, that's when we draw that line in the sand. And I had to do some reflection and realize that I was worth it alone. My feelings being hurt alone more enough outside of my children. But that took that took some time to get to that place.
0: I'm sure that took some time. Um, and and you're right. Like, we, okay for me, mess with my kids and you're done. Right. So did you take some time after that, after the second divorce? Did you take time for yourself and time to breathe and time to be alone?
1: I would love to tell you that I did. Um, I was alone for quite a while, but then I kind of had some issues with someone that I worked with and kind of tried to do that for a while quickly realized that was not a good choice. And that was not going to be a good person to date. Cause I think it's really hard to date people that you work with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to keep those separate, unfortunately, even as adults and as high functioning adults, you just have to keep that separate. So then I stuck my toe into the world of online dating and I was shocked because I had never had to online date my previous two relationships. I met on a blind date and met while I was in the military. So Online dating and apps for something totally new to me and what a wild ride that was
0: isn't it crazy but you <laughs> you know I, I think nowadays I mean even the even the young kids are on these these apps right they're on there because you know they're so they kind of like hang in their circle or they you know it's hard to go out wherever you are and meet people at a bar nowadays and um I think the online dating has is it's you know there was, it was stigmatized before but I don't think it is so much anymore because I think it's a if you're, it's hopefully it's a safe place for most people to meet people. So, tell us about how that journey and and how did you start? What sites were you on? Give us the good, <laughs> give us the bads. Give us everything.
1: Oh gracious! So I did. Attempted Facebook dating, quickly realized that that was just a hodgepodge. It wasn't specific enough. I wasn't able to make sure that I was the first one one that could message. So quickly Mm -hmm. let go of that. That just wasn't going to be a good fit for me. I got on Bumble. I got on Hinge. I never attempted Tinder because I was terrified. I left Tinder alone. (laughs) But Bumble and Hinge, I actually met so many people through both of the websites. What I didn't realize at the time was I was meeting so many people, but I live in a somewhat small state. Oklahoma is very small. And so many of my friends were dating the same people, didn't realize that's what a dating app is, but having horrible experiences with them and, um, I kind of wish I would have been able to vet those a little bit and then found a Facebook group years later and it was, are we dating the same guy? And I was like, hold up, what is this? And got in that even though I'm in a happy relationship now and started realizing that people were posting pictures of men that I had dated. Some of them I had dated somewhat seriously and their experiences were the same as me. And I thought, what a brilliant group for women that are attempting to date anywhere. I think this is such a valuable tool for women to get together and say, Hey, I'm dating this person. I'm not going to share his name. Here's a picture of him. Do you have any experiences? Because I've seen ex-wives post in the group, you know, an ex-wife's perspective is a very honest perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just thought the group was invaluable. I wish I would have known about it whenever I was going through my dating app phase, which I'm glad I'm out of now.
0: (laughs) Okay. so, So the pros and cons of the apps.
1: Pros and cons of the apps are pros. You meet people. I am not a huge person to go out. I grow, I live in a town now that I did not grow up in. So I didn't have a group of people here that I knew that I could go out with, nor do I really want to go out. I have primary custody of my youngest child. And so I'm not going out a lot. So if I want to go out, I want to make sure that it's time that's well spent because time to me is money as it is for the majority of us. Mm-hmm. And it can be emotional money. It could be physical money. Um, it can be just trying to find an outfit. You know how that is after divorce. You're like, I don't even know what to wear. I'm not even sure what's in style. That like I wear <laughs> I wear scrubs to work. What am I supposed to am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? You know. So I feel like the apps were an easier way to vet someone beforehand, talk to them, look at their grammar, look at things that matter to you. I kind of had a list of questions that I would like to ask and just get a good idea of who they were before they went out. Now those things could be untruthful. And I found out often they were, they could be using pictures that were old, found out that was the case as well. Um, so it was just an interesting space. It was a good way to meet people without having to go to a bar because I'm 41. I didn't want to go to a bar anymore. I'm not interested in that.
0: I get it. You know, you can start a whole business there and these are the questions you should ask on the dating app. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: I've said it many times. I really should start a business from the other side because I should start a business for the men on these apps because first and foremost, the pictures they take, are insane. And they if you not were, know how to
0: take pictures. No,
1: no, ma'am, they do not. And I thought if I could charge a hundred dollars for me to go into these men's, you know, help them to just take a couple decent pictures. They don't have to be crazy, just decent pictures, not holding a dead animal, preferably, <laughs> not having their ex-wife in a wedding dress with her face blacked out. And then help them with their bios. And
0: please leave your kids out of it. Please leave Absolutely. Your kids the pictures. No.
1: No children. I never had my children on the app and I never listed that I had children. I just left it off completely because there are so many men out there. And I'm sure there are women as well. I don't want to generalize, but I was, you know, I was going towards men and that are going after single mothers and think that they're vulnerable and want to exploit them for their children. And I just wasn't going to have that angle. So... It's an interesting space. It can be a very unsafe space if you're not smart as well.
0: I know. So what are the tricks for being safe for those of us that are on the apps, um, those of us that are scared to get on? I mean, a lot of people are scared to get on this app. It's it's a, it's a, to be vulnerable, right? It's, I think yes. it's, um, you really, and you have to take, it's like kind of like a job. That's what a lot of people say.
1: I tell people dating was the hardest job I've ever done. It was. It felt exhausting emotionally, spiritually. Kind of sucked the life out of me at times, and other times it would be really exciting. It felt like an abusive relationship is really what it felt like, but with thirty
0: different people. <laughs> and what's your advice on dating? Like, do you go to a lunch? Do you meet for breakfast? Do you meet for dinner? Do you meet for drinks? Like, how do you how do you handle so- that? I don't drink. And that actually was a huge deal breaker for a lot of people. And
1: it's not that I'm against it. I've never had an issue with it. It's just I didn't enjoy it. I drank in my 20s. I'm a nurse. I'm really into health. I'm really into fitness. I see people come into the ER with lots of addiction problems. And it just isn't something I'm interested in. Um, Addiction was a factor in both of my divorces. So it's, it's a trigger for me. So I would say I would love to meet you for a drink. I'm just letting you know beforehand that I don't drink. I'm not going to meet at nine or 10 o'clock at night. I have boundaries on the times that I'm available to meet. And I would love to sit there while you have a glass of wine and I'll have a lemonade and that will be a great time. But so many of them immediately were like, oh, you think you're better than me? You don't drink. And immediately I know that's someone I'm not interested in because I'm not going to be manipulated to go do something that I'm not interested in doing. So I had a lot of coffee dates. I'm a big coffee fan. I think you have to do things that you like. And I would say, Oh, I'd love To meet for coffee, I've got this time frame that's available, and just no pressure. If we if we meet each other, we don't click. You might be a friend, you might be a potential love interest, but I would just always left it very casual. The first day, I didn't do a lot of dinner first dates because that it was a lot of pressure, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, and you're right, it's a lot of pressure. What do I wear? Um, you get, you know, nervous beforehand because this is like, even, even if you've been married once or twice or three times or however many times, and you've been out in the dating world, it's still meeting somebody new, yeah. unsafe, bound, you know, boundaries that you're not sure of. And you don't know if this person's really going to look like that person or, right. you know, right. It's scary, scary yeah.
1: You were talking about some of the questions that I would ask and some of the things I leave in my profile. I think for women, it's important to have a somewhat vague profile. Don't give a lot of information on where you work. I've never, ever put where I worked. I've always just put that I worked in healthcare. I didn't even put that, was, that I was a nurse. I just wanted to leave it very surface level because it's so easy to find information out on people online. And if you get a a lot of information, people are going to be on your Instagram and they're going to be looking at your personal pictures of your children and your work and stuff. So, um, I also looked for men's profiles that were somewhat the same. I wanted a man who didn't give it all away in his profile. I wanted them to be somewhat vague. Um, and then whenever I started speaking to them, I would immediately be like, what are your other socials? And that was a big flag for me. If they would not give me their social media, immediate conversation stopped because if someone will not give you their social media and let you look at their pages, it means they're married they're in a relationship, they're in a situationship, they have something to hide. Um, I had two or three men who told me I'm not on social media anywhere. And I did a name search and a picture search on them and found multiple social medias for them. So uh, I think you just have to be a little bit of a detective nowadays. And it's sad that that's the case, but that's kind of always been the case. It's just been different forms as technology has advanced.
0: So is it better to ask for their social media handles or their last name? Oh, I asked for it all. <laughs> you asked for it all. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, nice.
1: and if they weren't willing, I was like, all right, right, we'll have a good day. And then and it would it
0: immediately, well, why? You're acting crazy. Blah, blah, blah. No, I'm not acting crazy. No. It's for my safety. It's for, right? for my safety. So do what if they ask you back for the same thing?
1: So if they ask me back for the same thing, I would give them my Instagram. You know, if you go on my Instagram, you know that I have children. I give them my Facebook and I would we would friend each other. I'd say, Hey, I just have a, you know, prereq that we friend each other. I'm able to look at your stuff. You're able to look at my stuff, get a good feel. And if it feels like it could be a good match, like we can meet up. And that worked well for me. Um, if, If we didn't work out and I wasn't interested, then I would immediately take them off. And I've only had to block two or three because they were being weird afterwards. But it was like, that's not going to work and delete them from my page. And that's OK, too. It really depends on what your level of privacy means to you. I think you have to. I live a very open life online and I've shared my journey for years and years. So to be real private with someone about my social really didn't work for my brand because that's not who I am.
0: It's amazing. You're a world of information and knowledge about all this, which is really helpful to those out there that are, that are, you know, just got divorced or getting divorced or thinking about getting divorced and thinking about dating or dating and start or, and had horrible experiences. And how do I, how do I do this? And, you know, it's scary to put yourself out there. It really is. Yeah. I think a,
1: I had to hold on to the humor in dating because I think whenever you're leaving um, a sad situation with divorce, you have so much sadness, so much sorrow, and you have to find the joy in dating, which sounds odd, but there were very hilarious, awkward moments. I had a great time telling my girlfriends about it. I have a private group on Facebook where we share all of the things. That's kind of my community and my tribe. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would that. never tell the people's names that I was dating. I would, I would give them a pseudonym. I would either, it would either be the town that they were in their job. Like I had a guy who was a rancher. I had a guy that was um, from California. So I named his town. And so I would use, I would just use their little pseudonym. And then I would give like a brief description of our date, funny things that happened, awkward things that happened. And then I would get their feedback. And it's, I think the most important part of my divorce was figuring out that women can be your soulmates that I didn't have to look into male relationships for validation and love and acceptance, that some of the women that are my strongest allies in my tribe were truly loves of my life in a non-sexual way. And finding that tribe that I could share all the ups and downs and the funny, and what do you guys think about this? How would you take this? It really got me through some interesting situations and gave me a really great perspective by, you know, I have women that are as young as 20 years old in that group, all the way up to 60-year-old grandmothers. And it's amazing how much advice you can get from different decades and lives.
0: Right. That, that's, I love that you said that. And you know, it's the tribe. Is it the tr- is your tribe? Like just people that you've met and formed this group with, or are they your, your friends that you had while you were married? So these are people that have
1: been social media friends to me since I was okay. on social media. Originally it was because I sold makeup and it was a makeup group. And then people started asking, Hey, you know, um, outside of makeup, where do you get your botox? Who do you go to to get your boobs done? Who do you who do you trust for a mommy makeover? Hey, I'm, you know, my sexual appetites have changed and I'm feeling dry. Who, do, you know, because I'm a nurse, they're asking medical questions and although you can't give medical advice, it was nice to have a safe community where women could be like, I have this problem. Usually there's shame surrounded around this problem, but who do you go to to get help for this? And it was just such a great networking group for me to share things and for women to share things with me, honestly.
0: I love it. I have, you know, I didn't date for a very, very, very long time because I just chose to raise my children, just the three of us. Um, Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I was like, when they go to college and then when they went to college, unfortunately my dad got really sick. So that happened. And then COVID happened. So, you know, I'm not saying I never went on a date, but you know, dating was like, okay, so just I'll have a dinner. And it was, male company. My friends were my tribe. My friends were the people that, you know, that kept me safe and loved me. And that was, that was enough because raising my kids was a full-time job and and that fulfilled me um, in every aspect. So then you find yourself being an empty nester, and your kids are grown and it's like how do you start how do you, and and so many people feel like that like how do i how do i start and dating is scary and putting yourself out there is scary and going on these apps are are scary so all this advice is so helpful
1: now i think it's really interesting that you waited till your kids were older because once again as a mother i feel like in our society, the majority of the time, all of the parenting responsibility falls on us, whether we're divorced or married. I was a single mother in my marriage for many, many years. He traveled all the time. So mm-hmm. I got really good at doing things on my own. But it's interesting that you put off your life and your needs for your children. You want to talk about sacrifice and love. You know, women are the epitome of that. And I just think it's really make me cry. honorable. Well, it's, no, it's just well, you so honorable. You put, you your, you put all your needs to the
0: side. You're tearing me <laughs> up. <laughs> and I, and I, when I read, I'm saying again, when I slid into your DM, I'm like, I knew you and I would be friends. I just had this feeling that there was some kind of connection, even though our paths were different. Um, I was only married once and, you know, I just fell out of love and you were married twice. and You know, it, it, it. there was something about what you wrote, which I'm staring at right now, that just stood out to me about, you know, your strength and your, your wisdom and your courage and your, your, I don't know. It was just your energy in this post. Just, it just got to me and it's not anything honorable that I did. I just, my kids were, that's just my, that was my my choice that was chosen, you know, and I have no regrets looking back whatsoever. You know, I have two great kids and we're, we're super, super close. And, and that was my life. Did you ever have
1: did you ever have any resentment around that when you saw your friends moving on with their lives and happily dating? Was there a small piece of you that was like, am I making the right choice by putting what my wants and needs aside?
0: None. Most of my friends, my closest friends are still married and I go out with them and I can go out. There's a couple, um, you know, I'm, I'm with them all the time, whether uh-huh. whether it's just me and the husband and wife, my friends, or I'm I just... I just go with the flow. I'm the third wheel. I'm the fifth wheel, whatever it is. That's on the fifth wheel. I don't care. And I don't feel ashamed of it. And there was, there's been no regret at all.
1: You can learn so much about love by having married friends who have worked through the hardships of marriage too. I think it's great that you had a married tribe that you were still plugged into. You weren't ostracized. You know, you're, you're not married any longer, but I said this often, and it was really hard in dating midlife because the good ones are the ones who have stayed married and put in the work. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there was so few good men that were divorced because- the good ones stayed married they figured out their problems. They went to counseling. They, mm-hmm. you know, they fought for their, for their marriages and for their kids
0: and their wives. So. Take a listen to um, some words from our sponsors. So you can learn more about Soberlink. As parents, we often struggle and have gut feelings when something just isn't right. This can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex-spouse who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. SoberLink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. The system's real time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With SoberLink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. To sign up and get $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash DDS today. We're back. I'm talking to Nikki Larson. I slid into her DM. Um, She was on Divorced Over 40, and I loved what she had to say about her dating. So I said, I have to have you on my show, and we have to talk about this, and we need to talk about dating more and um, all that. So here we are, and we're diving deep in it, and you had me teared up, so I'll just say that. Like I got so emotional talking about that, and I thank you for your your sweet words as well. Oh, I really do. I love the strength of women. I've fallen in love with women
1: over and over again since my divorce. Um, I threw all my love and energy into my husband and helping him feel loved and helping him feel important. And I let some of my female friendships fall to the side while I was married because I didn't feel like there was enough space. Um, He needed all of my attention um, all the time, which you kind of lose yourself in marriage. You lose yourself in motherhood. And I let some of those relationships go. And I fought really hard to get those back and fell in love with women's strength and resilience and uh, just feeling like you're part of a community, even though it's a sad community part of sometimes the divorce communities kind of sad, kind of bitter at times, but then you have to find the humor enjoying it too. And women just amaze me on a daily
0: basis. I know. And I say this all the time, like when you get divorced, whether it's one, two, three, however many times, or you get separated, it's like your time to paint your new, it's a, it's a blank canvas. It's time to reinvent yourself. It's time to start over as scary as that sounds as scary as that may be, but it's time, you know, to, to reinvent and live your best life. And hopefully most of us are, because we we're, we're finding power in women. We're finding power in, in these podcasts and these outlets that now we can turn to, which there wasn't those before. So um, the dating apps, whatever, didn't didn't, they were there. What happened after you got what So you're in a relationship now?
1: I am happily engaged. I don't know. No. I don't know when we will get married, but happily engaged with okay. someone who was totally not my type. And I had very much stuck to my types so while I was dating on the dating apps. I wanted a certain aesthetic, I wanted them to be a certain amount tall. I was very specific. And I was like, this is my dream sheet, and I'm not going to budge on this. And then I thought, Nikki. No, hold on now. Your types have not worked. Very <laughs> good. <laughs> what what you want in your mind hasn't worked. Right. So I thought, I'm gonna get rid of the dating apps. I'm gonna take a break because they're exhausting. They're in a job, just like you talked about. And my friends were like, You need to be on TikTok, sending me so many funny TikToks and things. And I was like, I'm too old for TikTok, you know, I'm gonna put myself in that box of I'm that's
0: for and 20 year TikTok olds. Overwhelming, you get addicted. Oh. It's
1: so, so wild. So I get on TikTok and I just start making videos about my everyday life, Uh, being a single mom, funny things with my children, funny things that happen at work, serious issues like women's rights in the, in the state that I live in, women's rights have been taken away in a very conservative state Mm -hmm. and talking about COVID because I'm an ER nurse during COVID and that was a wild time. And so I started really just making a lot of connections with people I would have never connected with on TikTok. And some of those ended up being dating situations from people. who lived out of town. Um, Those were interesting and hard. I quickly realized that out of town was not going to work for me. And then I met my future spouse who lived out of town, who was all the things that I said I wasn't going to do. And uh, he had watched many of my videos. We had friended each other on the app and he had hearted every single video that I had. And he never said anything to me. He had no videos on his page. He was a very private guy. And I could tell that. So one day out of the blue, I messaged him and said, Hey, I see that you've watched every single video of mine and liked them, but you've never said anything. Are you just going to be the creepy guy that watches my videos? Or would you like to say hi? <laughs> Which was super aggressive and really was out of character for me because I have always said, if a guy wants me, he will come to me. He will message me. He will pursue me because that's a mindset I've had for years. Conservative, middle, middle America, you know, if they want you, they'll, they'll make it happen. And I thought, Nikki, like you're interested in this guy. So just reach out to him. He immediately messaged me back and said, this is my phone number. I would love to have a conversation with you. And that really struck me as a respectable thing because so many men didn't want to give out their phone numbers and here, what's your Snapchat? Don't have Snapchat. What's your WhatsApp? I don't do WhatsApp. What's your telegram? I'm not doing that with you. What is your telephone number? If you would like to have a conversation and it does not include a text. So this man gave me his phone number. I waited a couple of days, let him sit on it for a little bit. And I was super busy, had a couple of shifts at work. And then I sent him a picture and said, Hey, it's Nikki. Um, I'm free if you'd like to have a conversation. And lo and behold, now he lives here with me and moved from Ohio and is a great father figure to my children and just a really supportive partner that I did not see coming.
0: Happily ever after. Yeah. I
1: TikTok on TikTok. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It is. There's just so many different sub communities on TikTok that I think people are missing out on. I've been a nurse since 2008, and I thought I knew everything there was to know about nursing. I've learned so much from nursing TikTok. I'm telling you, if I would have had it while I was in school, it would have been so helpful. And then divorce talk and book talk. I'm an avid book reader and finding out other books that women love. There's just so many things on there that I think people think it's just a silly app for dancing. Well, it can actually be used as a tool for a lot of different things.
0: Oh my God. Yes. And also like cleaning hacks and, oh. there's the, you know, I get sit there and my daughter sends me a million of the TikToks. Like you know, <laughs> this is the, this is the viral TikTok. Cause she's, she's going to Europe and she's like, this is the viral TikTok that everyone, a suitcase that everyone's using, or this is whatever. Oh, right. as mom, this was on TikTok. Like there's some really good stuff on there. Yeah.
1: But I was very uncomfortable putting myself out there at first because I thought, you know, Facebook's controlled. I can control who sees my things. Instagram's mm-hmm. controlled. And I thought if I'm doing this, I'm really putting myself on a public platform. With that comes great benefits, but it also comes with some risks. And people have been ugly on there, but people are ugly in real life. And that's what people that's have right. to understand. You know, you got to get yourself out of the box sometimes. And dating apps are in the box at this point for me. And it just wasn't working. So it's
0: it's amazing. It's a beautiful story. It's an inspire. <laughs> it's an inspiring story. You know, you were you were you were there, you had a you know, wonderful marriage, then you had a not so wonderful marriage, and then you explored the dating scene and you know, you learned a lot from it. And then out of nowhere, look what happened. Do you think you manifested all that?
1: I think that I did. Yes. I did so much work after my divorce and it was uncomfortable work. The only thing I didn't do was go back to counseling. I'd been in counseling before and I just wasn't ready to go back to counseling. I had to take some time and process everything on my own. I'm actually going back to counseling this week. This is a big week for me.
0: <laughs> oh my God. This is a big week for me to meet you and to have you on, on my podcast and to share your, your your amazing story of courage and strength and survival and happy ever after and beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I feel like my big, my big, big advice to people is, you have to be still with yourself for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I made a hasty decision. I'm getting divorced. I'm done, and like, I didn't think the process through Mm -hmm. enough and to research. And I had little kids, and to say, oh, well, you don't have to rush this. You can take your time. You don't have to jump to find an attorney. There's so many things that I I learned. That I wish I would have known then that I'm mm-hmm. trying to help people, um, women and men on this platform, um, on this podcast to share with them, to say like, you know, take your time, don't rush, sit still with yourself, think things through. So, you know, so you have a clear, clear path mm-hmm. because it become, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to get divorced. The process is overwhelming just as it's yes. dating. Yes, absolutely. And find your tribe, right? Find your tribe. Whatever I think that that's so is. important.
1: Yes, absolutely. Find your tribe. I have women in there that are doctors, lawyers. There are so many different expertises in the group and it really helps to have them. You know, I've said, who was the best lawyer you guys have used? Who, who should I not use? Who should I ask for my guardian ad litem? You know, it's such, you have to have a collective group of souls to get you Mm -hmm. through a divorce because it can be so isolating. I think for women, we have a lot of shame around it. It's very odd listening to men's perspective of divorce, because I hear so few say that they feel like they dropped the ball or that it was their fault, even if it was, to be honest, but women internalize everything and we carry the weight of the world and the weight of our children's hurt and our children's percep- pers- you know perspective of the whole group or the whole process. And I, I think it's just really, really heavy. And if you don't have people to help kind of carry that weight with you, It's it can be extremely isolating.
0: Oh, it can be so isolating and you feel so alone and you feel so scared and it, you know, it, it looks so dark and, and bleak and you're in a storm for such a long time. Um, interesting. My fourth attorney is one of the biggest sponsors of my podcast. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, she, you know, she, she's Needle Kuda, Melissa Needle of Needle Kuda Divorce and Family Law in Westport, Connecticut. She was the one that, that brought light to my, to, to the, to the end of the journey for me when you know and my my case went on and on, and on. not not for ch- children but for finance so right. the fact that i you know when i started this podcast i called them and told them and she's like i support you 100 percent." and it's people like that that care beyond that care you know mm-hmm. that, that she's taught me, she taught me so much and yeah. and that's what i'm trying to do here in in all aspects of divorce whether it's dating whether it's redefining yourself whether it's you know getting help and you know for some people it's talking some people it's finding their tribe some people it's all of it some people but sit still with yourself and and take time to your for yourself to heal too
1: yeah
0: and fall. it was falling back in love with myself
1: which was a very Mm -hmm. odd thing to say you know people are like it's self-centered well you're damn right it's self-centered I've got to figure out how to love me again at the end of the day and what I will and will not tolerate any longer. And, you know, what I want in my children's lives and my lives and what's important to me at the end of the day, because I lost that marriage. What what was important to him became important to me. Of
0: course. Well, it's not it's not Nikki, the wife. It's not Nikki, the 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 nurse it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's just Nikki. Like where, it's not,
1: are- it's not Nikki, the mother. And I, I tell my children that and I say, I was who I was long before I had you. And that girl will always remain. And I always have to be true to her. Mm-hmm. You know, i becoming a mother did not define my entire life. Becoming a wife did not define my entire life. I was yeah. defined the moment that I was born and knew from a young age, what I wanted. And I have to get back to that.
0: Right. And it's true. And I said that too, when, when, um, it's like the, my first, I'm not saying I didn't date, um, when my, after my divorce, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I had a dinner here and there, but I was like, oh, I have to, I have to be Wendy again and not Wendy, the former television producer or the radio host or the mom, or, you know, I have to find me again. And, and how do I put on my big girl pants and like go find myself. And, and it was, it's hard, you know, because you're, when she become a mom too, that's everything. So to yeah. step out to step out of that just for a moment, um, it's a, it's important. And you know you have to find happiness within yourself because if you're happy with yourself, then if you're not happy with yourself, you can't be happy with anyone else either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: tips for us single people out there, undating. Um, what what should we do? How do we approach it? What's your advice? Tell us at all.
1: I think it's important before you even start the process of dating to write down some things that are important to you and a partner. Uh, I think I call it like your dream sheet or your dream list. But just know that that dream list can change and you can be a little bit flexible. But there are some core things, I think for people. Um, you know, is monogamy important to you? Um, you know, what are your views on? what's your, what's your love language? I think it's really important for everyone to know what their love language is, how, how you love and how you want to be loved matter. And you cannot make exceptions for people. It doesn't matter how good they look or how much they work out. If they don't speak your love language, it's just not going to work.
0: <laughs> you say, I never heard those words love language until a couple of my guests were on the podcast. Yeah. They talked about how important love language is. Yeah.
1: And I think my biggest dating advice is stop falling in love with people's potential because I am not a construction crew. I don't want to come in and fix your life. I don't want to fix your trauma. I don't want to nurse you back to health in any way, shape or form. And I think that as women, we do that too often. We fall in love with someone's potential instead of what they bring to the table at that moment. It's, it's important. Stop Stop making exceptions for badly behaved men because you think they may be a good man later.
0: Mm, those are really, really, really good advice. I'm yeah. so happy I met you. I'm so happy I slid into your DM. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here to share your story and your journey. And your are happy ever after with us because it happens, Like right? You're proof.
1: It happens. My partner actually sent me a text before I got on here and he's like, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. You're going to do really great on your podcast today. Let me know how it goes. And I just want women out there to know there are still men that exist that are like this. I have anxiety. And he said, I've been doing all this research about loving someone with anxiety and learning your language so I can love you better and be there for you. And for the first time in my life, I truly felt seen by a partner. So that can happen. There are still men out there who want that with someone and they want to put in the work for you. So don't, don't lose hope.
0: That's amazing. You have me teared up again, Nikki. Nikki <laughs> you're going to come back again. You're going to be, my, you're going to be our, my debate and my dating advice person, my, my, I you know, it. my advice person for, for us women out there who are, you know, who have struggled and yeah. who are looking to find love. And who are wondering if it's ever out there and, and you're proof that, that it is out there and yes. that there is happy ever after. Sometimes you just have to go to TikTok and be, be, un, or be
1: comfortable with getting uncomfortable. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much. It is a real joy to have you today. Thank you so much for having me on, Wendy. It was such a shock, but such a pleasure. Thank you.